turn with me to Romans 6. I want to, obviously this week being a holiday weekend and, and all the emphasis on independence and freedom and things like that, I was thinking we have a greater freedom than our national freedom. And, and ultimately, we're free because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And my fear is, is uh, that we can get so focused on understanding these texts, on studying these texts, on grasping what Paul is saying here, and just move week after week from sermon to sermon to sermon and forget to take time to pause to celebrate, even to let the Holy Spirit really sort through our lives and ask ourselves some hard questions, especially because these are hard texts, but these are, these are life-transforming texts. My, my fear is, is that we can know the text well, that we can know Romans 1, and, and that Paul is thanking the Romans uh, for the gospel, and he's eager to see them, and that we can know the powerful text, that I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for all who believe, from the Jew first, but also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And we can, we can forget about Romans 1.18-31, that not only do we exchange the truth of God for a lie, but we suppress the truth. That what, what has been known about God has been made known to all men, so that all are without excuse. And we forget Romans 2, that the, the Jews are just as guilty as the Gentiles, and, and, and because of their hypocrisy, that the verse 24, right about there, that the, the word of God, the God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of the Jews' hypocrisy. And we can forget Romans 3, that, that we're all, there are none righteous, that, that all stand on their own condemned. And we can forget the great verse of 21 of chapter 3, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed through the law and the prophets and the great passages about propitiation there in 21 through 26 and Christ's satisfaction. We can forget that, again, in Romans 4, that, that it is a by grace through faith. It is not by works. And, and Paul puts Abraham up there. Weak is in regards to his faith, that we, Abraham, had nothing to hope in, that he grew weak when it, be, when it came to his faith, verse 17. Yet with regards to the promises of God, I love that passage, yet with regard to the promises of God, Abraham did not grow weak in his faith, but he grew stronger. And if we're not careful, we can forget Romans 5.1, that therefore we have peace with God, and that God demonstrates his love, 5.8, in, in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And verse 10, that while we were enemies, Christ died for us. And we can forget that, again, starting in verse 12 through 21, as Tony preached, that we existed in the realm of Adam, where sin and death reigned. And in God's great mercy, He has transferred us into the realm of Adam, where life and righteousness reigns. We can forget Romans 5.20 if we're not careful, where sin abounded. This is Paul's conclusion. Where sin abounded. Sin abounded in your life, it abounded in my life. And yet, by the mercy of God, God's grace superabounded. 
to overcome that death, to overcome that sin, to overpower it, to, to sever its claims on your life, on my life, through the gospel. That's why Paul can say in Romans 6, if you really grasp that, if you grasp that, consider yourselves dead to sin. You don't live in that realm anymore. It has no claim on you. And we can go through this week in and week out. Knowing what it says, but here's my question. Are we burdened to do what it says? Do we ever pause? Do we ever pause to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to put, its, put His finger on areas of our lives where we're just not doing what it says? Areas of our lives where we are allowing sin to reign. Area of our lives that just don't line up with the Word and we're running so fast from thing to thing, sermon to sermon, we, we don't take the time to allow the Holy Spirit to just sit under the weight of the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to do what God gave us the Holy Spirit to do. I, I was reminded this week as I thought about this in James 1, verses 21 through 25. He's listening to what James writes. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, Again, that's exactly what Paul is saying. In light of who you, are, who you are in Christ, put all that aside. In humility, receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. But listen to what he says. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So it's possible, it's possible to sit in here week after week to know Romans really well, to know the verses really well, and simply be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word and slow delude yourself about where you are in your standing. That's the great danger. You can, be, you can memorize all you want. But are you a doer? Are you submitting your life to the word? He says in verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. Listen, this man will be blessed in what he does. So, so the real fruit is to be a doer of the word, not merely a hearer. The real blessing is to be a doer of the word and not merely a hearer. It's not to cut. Listen, I, I would bet all of us, if we were honest, all of us, including this person, and I've asked myself this question on Tuesday or Wednesday what did we look at on Sunday? 
Can I remember what we looked at in the Word on Sunday? Let us not be that church, individual believers, who close this Word on Sunday when Chris is done or when the grow groups are done and in all week live as if nothing happened on Sunday. As if we were not introduced to any part of the Word on Sunday. Not connecting Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday to our corporate gathering on Sunday. To not allow what we hear in Romans to wash over our lives. Why? That we would truly experience the freedom, the liberty that Paul calls us to, the reality that we have been freed from sin. Therefore, do not let sin reign. The danger is for us to hear these words and then to go out week after week and, and, it, and our lives look no different than the rest of the world. That our lives be not impacted by the word. That we get by on being nice people. And what Paul is saying in Romans 6 is offer, he is exhorting his readers to offer themselves to God, to offer all of themselves to God as instruments of righteousness. Do, do you see your life as an instrument of righteousness? Do you see your life as not being about yourself, but about the glory of God? That you, again, will see today that you have been bought with a price. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, therefore, why have you been bought? In order to glorify God with your whole life. We have been called, again, again, Paul says, we have been called to freedom, brethren, only do not let your freedom become a license for sin. You are not free to live for yourself. We have been freed to live to the glory of God. We have been freed to become instruments of righteousness. We have been set free in order to take us back to the garden and for us to be able to do what we were always intended to do, i.e. be image bearers of God, be representations of God. To, to see ourselves, what Paul is saying is see yourselves, consider yourselves freed from the domain of from the realm of Adam that is ruled by sin, that is ruled by death, and see yourself as being transferred into a whole new realm that is ruled by life and liberty and righteousness. That's what Paul means about being an instrument of righteousness. The kingdom that we now dwell as believers is ruled by righteousness, the ethic the ethos, the characteristic, if you will, righteousness. And our lives are to be dominated by righteousness, even in light, again, in light of the gospel, in light of, the, of, of what we just did together as a body, the Lord's Supper. Are we living in light of that every day? In light of the body and the blood of Jesus that was crucified. Are you living in light of that? We say we believe the gospel, but are we submitting our lives to who we are in Christ? Is our union with Christ? That's what Paul is talking about here. You have been united with Christ. You have been married with Christ. We're the bride. He's the groom. Are we allowing that union to guide and dictate every aspect of our lives? And Paul is saying, 
Do more than just know the truth. Live in light of the truth. And, and Paul says this time and time again throughout his letters. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and following, he says, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, it has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Not, not merely a mental ascent. Paul says, put it on. Literally, the idea there is like clothes. It is literally like clothes. Put it on. Don't just leave it hanging. Don't buy it and leave it hanging in the closet. Put it on. Go outside. Let the world see it. Again, our union with Christ dictating everything. That, that we would do away with our body of sin. Paul is saying, do away with it. Put it off. Live by faith in light of who we are. The result being, verse 7, that we would no longer live to sin. We would be freed from sin. That's the point. That we would hate our sin. Why? Because it's not in line with who we are in Christ. That we would not present our members of, as instruments of unrighteousness, but rather instruments of righteousness, as we'll see next week. And I was reminded of this a couple of weeks ago. We had the privilege a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday to go to uh, Victoria Guthrie's adoption. Larry and Jennifer have fostered Victoria uh, for quite some time, and In response to the gospel, they adopted Victoria, and they've treated her as their own for quite some time. And on this Wednesday, they made it official. And, and I was reminded of this because the judge, the judge was sitting on the bench, and, and I, every single one of these are emotional times because of the gospel. And, and I was thinking, this judge doesn't even realize it, but this judge is preaching the gospel. And the judge, many of you, I'm grateful to pastor of church that many of you have adopted, many of you, many of us have fostered all those things. The judge was going through all the legal steps that were necessary for Larry and Jennifer to adopt Victoria. All the paperwork, all the necessary things to make this a legal transaction. And, and she said this, and I quote, and this is what, it just stopped me in my tracks, and I I kind of broke the rules because I quietly wrote it down on my phone. You're not supposed to be doing that in there. And, but I wrote it down because I wanted to get it right. She said this. Her, talking about Victoria, it says her birth, parents, legal rights have been severed. That was the word that struck me, severed. They no longer have a claim on Victoria. Not a legal claim. And listen, Victoria wasn't, those birthrights weren't severed for her to just live in Never Never Land. Those birthrights were severed in order for her to be transferred to a new family.
family who now has claim on Victoria. You see that? You see the picture of the gospel? Victoria doesn't look to her, to her birth parents. She looks to Jennifer and Larry. That's the realm that she lives in now. All, they have the claim on her. She lives the rest of her life in light of Larry and Jennifer being her parents. That's the gospel. Well, the judge did. She may or may not have known that, but that's the gospel. In Christ, our, our, our relationship to sin and death and, and Adam, it's severed. In order for us, again, Victoria's, that had to take, and, and even as I say that, it sounds so odd to me, or, but it was, they were severed in order for her to be joined to another. Not severed to be an orphan, not severed to fend for herself, not severed for her to go live however she wanted to live, severed for her to live under the umbrella of protection and love of Jennifer and Larry Guthrie, who, by the way, adopted her because they love her. You see the gospel? You see what Paul is saying here? Listen, Victoria Guthrie will live the rest of her life submitting her life to the umbrella that Larry and, and, and Jennifer have offered. She will live as a Guthrie. And it's interesting, even the permanence, the judge looked at them and said, do you realize this is forever? Do you realize, and, and I've seen other adoptions where the judge says, you know, when you're adopting these little cute little kids, do you realize they won't always be this cute? That's the gospel. Jennifer and Larry now dictate the terms for Victoria. That's the family. But, but all that had to take place in order for the Guthries to adopt her. Our sin debt had to be dealt with in order for Christ, in order for God to adopt us. No less than Victoria's birth parents' rights had to be severed in order for the Guthries to adopt her. And now Victoria has full privileges of the Guthries. New family, a new realm, new life. Freedom to enjoy being a Guthrie. And I, I kept thinking, this is the gospel if we would grasp this. She has been set free over here in order to live over here. And, and the reality is this, what Paul is saying is the only way that progress is going to take place in our Christian lives is if we grasp this, if we learn to live out this new relationship that has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. As long as we live in the, try to go back and live in this old realm, we will never progress in the new realm. You and I, believer, exist in a new realm. That's why Paul would say in verse 11, even so, listen, consider yourselves. That's the work. That's, that's where sanctification, that's where putting on the new self, that's where faith comes in. You know, Paul says, consider yourselves. And that's what I want to focus on over the next few moments. 
Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do we do that in every area of our lives? Do you consider yourself dead to sin and conversely alive to God through Christ Jesus? Do we live in light of the coming resurrection that Paul talks about in 8 through 11? You know, do we count ourselves dead to sin? Do we reckon ourselves? This is more than pretending. Do we recognize the union that God has established through Christ Jesus for believers? I want us to be hearers of the, I mean, I want us to be doers of the word, not merely hearers. I want us to taste and see. So over the next few moments, and I'll guide, and that's what this worksheet is for. And I tried to make this general, so whether you're here as a single person, we uh, married person, whether you're here as a child, whether you, whatever, you can work through this. I, I want us to take a few moments, and I want us to inventory our lives in a sort of way. I want us to ask some questions. Here's the questions I want us to ask. And we'll work through these over the coming, I'll give you two or three minutes to just prayerfully, quietly, you can do it as a couple, an individual, with your kit, whatever. These are the overarching questions. In this area of my life, am I offering myself to the old realm of Adam, which is unrighteousness, or to the new realm of Christ, which is righteousness? Said another way, does my stewardship of this area of my life reflect the old nature or the new nature? Does it reflect sin or does it reflect righteousness? Ask yourself, is my union with Christ dictating the terms of this area of my life? Does that make sense? Or am I, or am I living however I want to live? in this area of my life, without connecting it to the fact that I have been united with Christ? Am I living in this area of my life in light of being a new creation? And Corey and I worked on this, and you'll see on your handout there's some further questions. So, so there's verses there for you to read. For instance, Colossians. Listen to Colossians 3.23 with regards to work. And I put school there. For, for all of our kids, for our middle schoolers, high schoolers, listen to Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men. Listen, believer, are you doing your work in order to get the raise, or are you doing your work to glorify God? Are you doing your work, student, in order to get on the honor roll, in order to get a free money or as a scholarship, which, hey, I'm a parent, that's all good. Don't get me wrong. Or are you doing it to glorify the Lord? See the difference? There's a difference. Are you doing it so you can walk across the stage with a tassel on your shoulder? Or are you doing it to glorify the Lord? Are you doing it to please men? Or are you doing it to glorify the Lord? Ask yourself those questions. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it to the glory of the Lord. So again, I'm going to give you, I'll come up and we'll, after a few minutes, and we'll go from work and school to words and we'll read some verses. But over the next few minutes, I want you to quietly, there's questions there to prompt. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to search through your life and ask yourself and be honest. Union with Christ, 
or old nature? Which one's dominating in these areas? Quietly, on your own, prayerfully, spend time with the Lord over this. Are you letting sin reign in that area of your life? Lord, help us to live and work and school and do that to your glory, not men-pleasers, but God-pleasers. Help us to be chiefly concerned about your glory, about appearing as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation by righteousness reigning. Lord, if there's any, if we're habitually allowing sin to reign through our work, through our school, if we're cutting corners on deals to get them closed, if we're cheating in order to get good grades, if we're copying other people's work, if we're claiming other people's work as ours, if we're stepping on other people at work in order to get the promotion, in order to get the raise, Lord, Lord, if we're falling into the lie of thinking that's okay because that's just the way the world works, Lord, we rep- help us to repent of that. That does not jive with the realm of Christ. We're new creations. So, Lord, help our work and our school be lived to your glory. Let, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen to Ephesians with regards to words. Ephesians 4.29. As you think about the words that come through your mouth, listen to this. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Listen to Ephesians 5.4. There must be no... Starting verse 3, immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Again, this is going back to our identity. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk, no coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather of giving thanks. Do your words line up with righteousness? Do your words line up with the new realm or the old realm? Take a few moments and just ask the Holy Spirit to put His finger on. You may need to repent. You may need to ask forgiveness. It may be an indication of where your heart is, but take a few moments. Old nature, new nature. Father, help us to be people who, uh, whose words build up, not tear down, who, whose words are filled with thankfulness and not grumbling and complaining. Because of our union with you, we have so much to be thankful for. Lord, with regards to our mind, uh, 
Help us to 2 Corinthians. Help us to be a people that take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, whose Colossians 3, 2, whose minds are fixed on things above and not on below. Help us to ask ourselves, where is our mind normally? Is it on lies? Lies about God? Lies about ourselves? Lies about others? Or is it on truth? What, where are we focused? Do we have peace? Lord, put your finger on areas of our lives, lies we've believed, lies we're entertaining, and how that's robbing us of our peace in light of our union with you during this time. Lord, as we look at forgiveness, just ask ourselves, do we forgive others the way that you have forgiven us? Lord, reveal any offenses, resentments that we're hanging on to, hurts that we're hanging on to. Lord, that uh, 
help us to grasp our own forgiveness, the depth of our own sinfulness, and help us to forgive others. But in this time, just reveal to us ways, people maybe that need to be forgiven, or ways that we're not forgiving others the way that we've first been forgiven in Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'd bring to light names and we would reconcile that because of our union with you. Lord, along those lines of forgiving others, help us to ask ourselves honestly, and you just reveal to us, do we truly love others the way that you've loved us in the gospel? As Romans 12, we'll see, do we love without hypocrisy? Can we honestly say that we love the people around us, or do we tolerate them? Do we aggressively love does our love for others tend to be sacrificial or selfish lord help us to see that in these moments and beyond
Father, in the area of our eyes, what do we allow to come before our eyes? What do we fix our eyes on? Lord, by your grace, reveal to us worthless things that we put before us. And how these things reveal to us how these things affect us more than we ever know. Lord, uh, with regards to idolatry, I pray that by your grace you would reveal to us things in our lives that we have allowed to rival our affection for you, God. We have elevated to where it's in competition, even if we don't realize it now, Lord. Bring these places, bring these things to mind even now. Even good things, Lord, that we have allowed to um, rival our affection for you, Lord. And help us to repent by your grace.
Lord, in line with idolatry, just with our money. Lord, is that beyond just open our hearts to the just our own self deceitfulness and just is that really where our hope is found? Have we placed our hope in money? In things? How does speak to us and reveal to us how we spend our money and what that might that tell about where our true hope lies, whether it's in this realm or another. Lord, with another enemy, subtle way that Satan deceives is through the approval of others. Lord, whose approval are we truly living for? Lord, put your finger on areas of our lives, reveal, bring to light compromises in order to fit in, whether it's at school or work, at home. Areas where we're trying to serve two masters.
Lastly, Lord, in regard to tribulations, are we, do we face tribulations in light of our living hope, in light of our inheritance that is protected, in light of our certain future, in light of our standing? Lord, speak to us in regards to how we approach tribulations and, and just what that might reveal about lies or doubts. Help us to not be double-minded, as James says, Lord. Just speak to us. Open our hearts in ways that maybe our attitude about tribulations reveal ways that we're not really grasping fully our union with Christ. Father, as we contemplate these things, Lord, I pray that this is just a primer, a prompter. I pray that we'd be so bold as to sit under these for even an entire day as we go about our day mindful of worthless things that we've put before our eyes and idols. Our attitude about money, our 
approval, tribulations. Lord, there's no way we can even get to the depths of these in these few moments under each of these. But Lord, I, I pray that it's a prompter. I pray this would be a discipline that we would regularly evaluate our lives, Lord, with the goal being that we would consider ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Lord, any area of our life that we're allowing to be alive to sin, that we're allowing it to be an instrument of unrighteousness, that we are presenting ourselves to sin. Lord, Jeremiah 17.9 says, Our hearts are desperately wicked. Who could understand them? Lord, I, I pray that we would be a people that take inventory, that regularly sit in silence under your word and earnestly seek to obey that word to your glory. Earnestly seek to walk in newness of life in line with our union with Christ. That we would not desire to give even the smallest part of our life or our body to sin. Not attitude, not action, not motive. That we would live every moment of every part of our lives in, by faith and union with Christ. Does this align with our union, having been united with Christ, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, that we would be instruments of righteousness and not unrighteousness, that we would shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, Lord, that we would not be okay with even the smallest part of our lives being kept to ourselves, to our glory, to sin, and not to your glory. considering ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, Lord. By your grace, help us to do this, to be a people who habitually seek to eradicate sin from our lives to your glory. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And I under, appreciate y'all doing that. I understand that there's no way to adequately do that in 30 minutes with those categories. But my hope is that this would be a prompter, that you would use this as a guide and maybe even add categories, that you would regularly be a people that, again, asks the Holy Spirit, sift through my life. Are there areas, are there attitudes, are there patterns that do not line up with my union with Christ, that I have reserved for my own glory, that I'm using for my own glory. Lord, that we would be a people 
who consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. That we would, as we see even next week, that we would seek to obey those three imperatives in verses 12 through 15. That we would not present ourselves to Satan in any way. That would be my prayer. And uh, that does not happen in 30 minutes. But I pray that it would begin, that that discipline would begin today.